been doing a series of sermons on Joseph. And uh, it's an amazing, amazing story. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of Joseph. And of course, he was despised by his brothers. God had prophesied over him, and God had given him a, a prophecy of, that he was going to have all his brothers and his mom and or his dad and his family, all of them bow down before him. And uh, Of course, his brothers hated him for that, and uh, the brothers were out to murder him, out to kill him. But they had an even better idea. Why kill him when we can make money off of him? Sold him down into Egypt. He went down into Egypt. He became a slave. He, re he, he, was, he was content where he was as a slave. And he tried to make the best of his situation. And God blessed him. And he rose up in his servant's house, Potiphar's house, and became very, very strong and powerful in Potiphar's house. And then along comes a woman, Potiphar's wife, accuses him of trying to rape her. Of course, was false, falsely accused. For Joseph was thrown into prison. As Joseph lay in prison, God gives him some other visions of other man's dreams, and he helps them out. The guy gets out, butler gets out, forgets about him. He stays in prison longer. All this stuff's going on while Joseph has been told that, hey, everybody's going to bow down before you. How's that even possible? That's impossible. Joseph gets put out of prison by the butler and Pharaoh because he can interpret dreams, interprets Pharaoh's dream that there's going to be seven good years, seven bad years of drought. And he tells Pharaoh what you need to do is you need to find a man that's wise and knows how to run things. Put him in charge. That's what you need to do. And Pharaoh looks around and he said, I can't think of anybody better than you, Joseph. Makes Joseph the second in command. God brings, God, God brings a drought on the land and famine and Jacob and his sons, the brothers that tried to kill Joseph, they come up. Joseph's there as he does, sitting with the grain, giving out what he's supposed to give out, doing what he's doing. And here comes his brothers. They bow down before him. Right before his eyes, prophecy takes place. Never thought it was possible. So Joseph, he, won't, he only cares about his dad and his brother. And he said, you have a dad, you have another brother. They tell him, yeah, we got Benjamin, blah, blah, blah. He said, well, you don't come back unless you bring Benjamin. Go back, Jacob tells them, there is no way you're taking my only, this son I love so much, I've already lost Joseph. If you take him, you're going to bring my gray heads down to my head. And so Reuben stands up, Reuben says, I'll be, I'll take it. If I don't come back with, with, uh, with Benjamin from Egypt, you can take my sons and kill, the, you can kill them. You know, just throws the sons under the bus. Jacob says, I don't trust you. Judah stands up, Judah says, I'll be surety, I'll take his place. I'll go in place. Put his, let me take Benjamin. He'll be in my care. Jacob trusts Judah. Judah goes down. Benja, goes up to Joseph again. Joseph sends him up. They have a big reunion. Everything's going great. Looks like everything's going to be wonderful. Well, then Joseph sets him up again. And he wants Benjamin to stay with him. So he says, I want Benjamin to stay with me. He's my brother, my only full brother. So he puts a cup in this bag. They find the cup. Everybody's distraught. They bring the whole, all the brothers back. And Judah stands up and says, you know, we're sinners. God knows what we did. And he's talking about when they tried to kill Joseph. And Judah says, God's found out our iniquity. And now it's come back on us. Let us take his place. And Joseph says, no, no y'all are not going to take it. Nobody is in trouble but this boy right here, Benjamin. Because that's the only one he wants. So Judah says, can I come near you? And he approaches Joseph. And he tells Joseph, I told my dad if I didn't bring him back, 
that I would be assured. He goes, let me take Benjamin's place. I know Benjamin's guilty. I know he deserves to be a prisoner. I know he deserves whatever you're going to do to him. Let's exchange. Let me take his place and let him go free. Amen. That preaches to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ took your place like Judah took our place. Jesus Christ is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the surety. He is our surety. He is the, what they call is impunity, where you take the righteousness of Jesus Christ and you put it on a sinner and you take all the wickedness and the sin of that sinner and you place it on Jesus Christ at the cross. That's how God does it. That's how God gets you into heaven. That's how you're righteous in God's eyes. He, puts, he swaps them. That's where we left off. And whenever Judah says that, Judah is a, is a brother that was willing to kill his brother and he's repented and now he's willing to give his life for his brother. And when Joseph sees that, that's what's going to break Joseph's heart. That's where we're at in chapter 45, verse 1. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cries, cause every man to go out from me. He tells them all to leave, all his servants. It's just him and his brothers in there. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud. And the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? His brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near me, I pray you. And they came near. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold in Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves, that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall neither be earring or harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Haste ye, and go up to my father and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not, and thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and thou shalt be near unto me. Thou and thy children, thy children's children, and thy flocks and thy herds, and all that thou hast, and there will I nourish thee. For yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty. And behold, your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin, that it is my mouth that speaketh unto you. And you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt. And of all that you have seen. And you shall haste and bring down my father hither. And he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept upon them. And after that, he, his brethren talked with him. Dear Heavenly Father, oh Lord, thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your substitution of Jesus Christ for my sins. Lord, thank you for these stories of Joseph and his brother, Lord God, that even a murderer, Lord, 
can be brought to be right with somebody, Lord. I want to thank you for your grace and mercy, Lord. And Father, I pray as we go through these passages, Lord, I just pray your Holy Spirit just come in and move, Lord. Come in and move among us, Father. Remind us of the wonderful, wonderful sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as He took our place. Lord, we don't deserve it. But Lord, You're just so good and have so much love, Lord. You work anyway in our lives. Thank You, Father, for that. And Lord, I just pray as we go through the rest of these passages, Lord God, Father, I just pray You open up our hearts to the truth. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. I can't help but get emotional when I think about Joseph finally revealing himself to his brethren and his brethren getting to see him, thinking that he was dead, never knowing what happened to him, and there he was the whole time before him. But go back up to chapter 45, go back up to verse 1. We're going to break this down a little deeper. We've got to break this down and look at all the types of Jesus Christ. It says there in verse 1 that Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him, and he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. When Jesus reveals himself to a lost sinner, he wants nobody in between. It's between you and Jesus Christ. It's between you and the Lord. He doesn't want a priest between you and the Lord. He doesn't want a pastor between you and the Lord. He doesn't want a church. He doesn't want a religious ceremony. He doesn't want baptism. He doesn't want anything you can think of. Anything or anyone between you and Jesus Christ is something the Lord doesn't want. The Lord Jesus Christ wants a one-on-one encounter with you when He reveals Himself to you. And when He reveals that you're a sinner and I'm a Savior and I'm here to save you, He wants that thing to be one-on-one. Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood not a man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brother. Verse 4 is Joseph tells his brothers in their trouble. In verse 4 it says, Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near unto me, I pray you. Our Lord and Savior's main message to people was, Come unto me. Come unto me. Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I shall give you rest. Amen. Amen. What, what a promise. We got a holy, righteous God that should in all truth say, Stay away from me. Get away from me. I don't want you near me. You stink. You're rotten. You're filthy. You're a sinner. I know all your deeds. I know all your thoughts. I know all your wickedness. I know where you've been. I know what you've been doing. And by all rights, God should do that. But God says, come unto me. Come unto me. One of the amazing things about the gospel is you've got this holy, righteous Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh, and the Bible's testimony of Jesus Christ was, He was a friend of sinners. He wasn't with the king. He wasn't with the high rollers. He wasn't with the princess. Jesus Christ was hanging out with the working man. The old sinner that cussed, did things he shouldn't do, said things he shouldn't say. There's Jesus Christ. Trying to straighten them out, showing them where they're wrong, showing them they need to be more righteous, but he was down there with us. That's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Isaiah 118, our Lord says, Come now. 
And let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Our God all through the Bible is a God that's looking for us. When Adam and Eve sinned and fell and their glory departed and they realized they were naked and they showed, sewed fig leaves together and they went and hid, they didn't say that they went looking for God. It says that God the Lord was walking in the garden in the cool of the evening calling out, Adam, Adam, where are you? Where are you at? Our Lord is looking for you if you're a sinner in here this morning. If you're lost and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ is calling to you. The most amazing truth the Lord gave me when I started reading this Bible was this Bible is not about 99 sheep that are found. It's about the one that's lost. And I thank the Lord for that because I was lost. Come unto me, I pray you. And they came near and he said, I am Joseph, your brother whom ye sold into Egypt. Now verses 5 through 8 are amazing. They tell a great truth that everybody in here needs to understand. And it's so easy to forget it. Verses 5 through 8, read those with me. Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. The great truth was this is an evil and the Lord turns evil to good. Amen. And that's something the world don't understand about our Lord God. They don't understand the, the great gift of free will that God gave us. To do as good, be as good or as wicked or evil as we want to be. And God, because we chose through Adam our father to be sinners, we chose to live in this sinful state and we failed and we brought death into the world and we're living in death and God's allowing this free will to work. They say, why does God allow evil? Why does God allow evil? What God does is God allows us to have free will and we're the ones that bring the evil. And he still works in our evil to do what he pleases and to work. And when you become a Christian, you get close to our Lord God, and you get close to our Heavenly Father, you start to understand some of this stuff that we think is evil is really good. God working. and doing something. When Brother Raymond took his last breath, and he went on to be with Jesus Christ, that's the best thing ever happened, Brother Raymond. Amen. <laughs> yeah, it is. Boom. No more sorrow, no more pain, new body. He don't have to worry about cancer. No more nothing, no suffering. He's not... He's got glory like he's never known. Things he's never He can't even describe it to us what he's seeing right now. Joy and peace. And can you, imagine, can you think of the greatest joy you've ever had in your life? Can you think, was it when your child was born? Was it when you were married? What, what, what was the greatest joy you can think of in your life? Well, take that and times it by a million. That's heaven. So if you sit there and you come in that room and you see that old man take his last breath, you might say, that's a shame, that's awful, that's evil. No, that's just the process of getting something good. When I was a little kid, my mom would take me to go get a shot, which is what I needed. But shots are evil when you're a little kid. And I remember my mom, she pulled up there in front of that, that doctor, and my mom controlled me. I was like a wild dog, man. I was just like a wild That's why me and Joker are such good friends. I mean, just like... I didn't like anybody telling me what to do. I just, I'd, I'd probably bite you if you got near me. You know, 
I was like a wild dog. I took my, my, I took my sock and I pulled it just like this on my arm because I knew they were going to put me a shot right there and I had my sock like this. I wasn't going to let that sock down. They weren't going to give me no shot. And my mom tried to get me out of the car and I'm like, uh-uh, uh-uh. And, and so she said, okay. So she, <laughs> she went in the doctor's office. Doctor came out. They got one of the nurses came out there, drug my little bitty self in, you know, and I still got that sock up there on that arm, you know. It's evil, it's evil. That shot's evil. And they pulled out that needle. Mm, I kept that sock right. You know, remember the socks had tube socks, had straps around them? I'll never forget. That's what it looked like. I had it pulled all the way up here. <laughs> They're gonna give me a shot. And that nurse, which was doing something good, but I thought it was evil. He took those little bitty, you know, not much smaller than this little arm now, pulled that sock down and gave me that shot. Ow! I thought I, you know, I was going to die. Oh, it's so evil. Oh, it's so awful. Oh, it's so evil. It's what I needed. It was good. It's part of the process. Verse 6, For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall neither be earing nor harvest. Look at verse 7. Look at verse 7, brothers and sisters. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Who sent you? God sent me. What? You mean when they were trying to kill him and he was in the dungeon and he was in Potiphar's house as a servant, as nothing more than a slave, and all those years of suffering, Joseph went through that? He's giving credit to God. God did it to save you. So now, verse 8, so now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. It's God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh. Now that father to Pharaoh is in a spiritual sense. In a spiritual sense. It's a, it's, he's a father to Pharaoh in a spiritual sense. That's why Jesus Christ said, call no man your father. He's not talking about your daddy. He's not talking about your earthly father. He's talking about in a spiritual sense. Don't call no man your father in a spiritual sense. I'm just a brother to you. Amen. Amen. I'm not a father. I'm a brother to you. Jesus Christ says, call no man your father. We're brothers and sisters in this. Amen. Okay? That's what it is. You're not supposed to take these men and put them up there like that. But he's saying that Pharaoh, to Pharaoh, I'm a father in a religious and spiritual sense. I'm a father to him. But the great truth is, so now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. Keep your finger here, turn to Genesis chapter 50. Turn to Genesis chapter 50. Yeah. The Lord turns evil to good. The Lord is working good when stuff's looking evil. And it's hard for us to see that. And as a, as a Christian, as a mature Christian, I've seen that happen in people's lives where something really, really evil is happening or has happened, and God gets the glory out of it in the end every time. It's pretty amazing to see God work. Now, Jacob, the daddy of the brothers, he passes away. So what, what do the brothers do? The brothers go, uh-oh. <laughs> now Joseph's going to kill us. Now that daddy's gone, and it's just, <laughs> Right? Now he's going to kill us. So Joseph calls him in there in verse 19. Look at Genesis 50, verse 19. 
Joseph calls his brothers in there, and this is what he says to them. Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for I, am I in the place of God? In other words, God gets, God, it's God's place for vengeance, amen? We need to remember that. For am I in the place of God? Look at verse 20. But as for you, you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring it to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Wow. You thought you were doing evil to me. You meant to kill me. You meant all this evil towards me. And God meant it for good. God's using it. And because Joseph was willing to suffer and to take the pain and to take the misery in the end, Joseph saved hundreds of lives at that moment and went on to save the whole nation of Israel. To this day, Joseph saved them, but he's willing to suffer, to be content in the place he was at, and to see, what, to see if God was going to do something. And God might have took his life. Job says, I will trust thee, even if you slay me, I will trust in thee. Even though he slay me, I will trust him. That's, that's something we have to be, we have to be uh, very humble about. Back in Genesis chapter 45. Go back to Genesis 45. So the Lord is working in the good. He's working good in some of this evil. And when you're in the evil, it's hard to see it. And I don't blame you. I, I'm the same way. I've done stuff's happened in my life, and I couldn't see how God was ever going to get the glory out of it. And he does. <laughs> he does. I'm going to quote to you Romans 8, 28. Y'all have all heard it. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. If you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, no matter what's going on in your life, God's working it to good. God's getting the good. I seen my little niece. I went up there to the hospital, my little niece. I went up there to see her, and there she, was, she laid there. And my brother-in-law, who was lost, saw his little baby take her last breath. He pulled me out of that room there at Fort, Fort, at Fort Worth Cook's Medical pulled me out of that room and he looked at me and he said, why did God do that to me? Why did God take my baby? And I told him, I can't answer for God, but I can tell you one thing. You're not going to bring that baby back, but you can go back, you can go to where that baby's at. With Jesus Christ. And I led him to the Lord. And because that little baby, Tally Ann, took her last breath and God took her home, she's up in heaven, glorified, there with Raymond, having a good time, a lot better place than she would be down here, amen, with all this evil. Her daddy got saved. Amen. Her mother got right with God. God gave them another child that's a beautiful child that's living, living a great, is a good kid. They're all in church. They're all serving God. Amen. The whole family was changed. The dad was saved. The whole family was changed towards God. Because of the sacrifice of that little baby. Amen. And it looks so evil. It looks so evil, but when I look back, I say, man, God was working for the good. God was working for the good. What would it take to get some of our loved ones to go to heaven? It took that little girl giving her life for her dad to go to heaven. And I guarantee you, if you used to ask that little girl, would you do it again? That little girl would be willing to lay her life down. Eternity with my family? Or to see one of your loved ones go to a devil's hell? Guys, we've got to start having spiritual eyes. 
We've got to start thinking and looking at how God looks at things. We get so focused on this world. We get so focused on this thing. We get so focused on this little 80, 90 years. We forget that there's eternity coming. And God sees eternity. And he sees 20,000 years down. He says, 20,000 years, I want you to be with me. I love you. Come unto me. Come on. What will it take for you to change your heart? Am I going to have to take this? Am I going to have to do this? Am I going to have to do this to you? What's it going to take for me to get your heart? So you can spend 20, 30, a million years with me. What's it going to take? I want to bring you here. God only knows what some of us need to come to Jesus Christ. Verse 9, he says, Hey, she, go up to my father, saying to him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me Lord of all Egypt. That's our job. He tells his brothers, Now go back to my dad and tell him the good news. Jesus Christ says, Go tell everybody the good news. Go ye into all the world. That's what that wall right there is all about. Go ye into all the world and tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. Haste ye. Look, don't wait around. Get going. Why are you sitting on the pew? Get going. Haste ye. Go up. Look at verse 10. Thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and thou shalt be near unto me. Verse 11. And there will I nourish thee. Go tell them there's a place called heaven. Amen. Hey, you, you, you hate this world? America's the last great country, and y'all see where America's going. Where's there left to run to? Oh, man. Good luck. Good luck to you. But see, this ain't my world. This ain't my home. I got one place I'm going. It's called heaven. Joseph's there. Jesus Christ is there, and Jesus Christ wants me there. He said, go, tell him I've got a land of Goshen. Go tell him I've got a place called heaven. They can be near unto me. They can come live with me, and I shall nourish them. I'll take care of them. You come tell them. They can come to heaven. Come on, I'm waiting on them. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. When I got up there Wednesday and to preach Brother Raymond's funeral, man, that's the easiest thing I've ever done. Just talk about how Brother Raymond interrupted me. Talk about how Bro Brother Raymond has about four or five hundred cats. Talk about how Brother Raymond is an old goat. Talk about how great Brother Raymond was as being uh, faithful to this church. Talk about Jesus Christ. Give an invitation. Let's go. What else are they going to say? He's in heaven. <laughs> that makes it really easy. When, I, when we know our loved ones are in heaven, it makes it really, really easy. Now, I'm not saying we don't miss them. I'm not fooling you. But we know we're going to see him again. That's it. I was going to some old pictures of Brother Raymond, looking for old pictures of Brother Raymond. I seen Winnie Stevens. I see some of these other loved ones that have been in this church, gone on to be with the Lord and everything. I was like, man, praise the Lord, I'm going to get to see her again. Praise the Lord, I'm going to get to see some of these other brothers and sisters again. Joseph said, go tell him there's a land of Goshen near unto me. I'll bring it that's near unto me, and I will nourish them. Skip down to verse 15, please. Skip down to verse 15. Moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept unto them. That kiss that Joseph 
gives his brothers. And I want you to notice that when Joseph reveals himself and they're troubled, and he tells them everything he wants them to do, it says he wept, and it says that he kissed them. Not that they kissed him. See that? Moreover, he kissed all his brethren. That kiss is a kiss of forgiveness. That kiss is a kiss of acceptance. That kiss is a, is a kiss saying, everything's okay. Come here. And he kisses him on the cheek. I read in my Bible where the prodigal son was walking towards his daddy's house and his daddy looked down the road and saw his prodigal son and the daddy ran out to meet his son and the Bible says the daddy grabbed him and hugged him and kissed him. That's what I read in my Bible. Jesus Christ has got his arms open. He says, come unto me. And you come near to Jesus Christ with a repentant heart. He's going to hug you. He's going to kiss you. He's going to make it all right. That's why some of these six foot, six foot two, six foot, I see some of you men out there, y'all are like big old John Wayne guys, and you get to talking about Jesus Christ, y'all start acting like little babies. He just melts you. You can't get around the love of Jesus Christ. It's love that we can't describe. There's nothing better I love than to see some six foot six big old boy get up here, start singing about Jesus Christ, and have a tear well up in his eye. Amen. You don't understand. You talk about the world and how they, homosexuality and all the stuff that. I love a man more than I love my wife. Who are you kidding? I love Jesus Christ more than anybody I've ever known. But he loved me first. He loved me first. He came to me first. And notice it says, Moreover, he kissed all his brethren and he wept upon them. If you only knew how brokenhearted Jesus Christ was for you, lost sinner, if you only knew. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, when you look at his life, he came down, he could have been born to a king, he chose a manger. He chose, a, he chose a lowly maiden named Mary. He chose a poor carpenter as a stepdad. He did all these things that were very lowly, very humble. And he did all of that for me and for you. And he did all that, and it said that Jesus Christ, when he's coming in Jerusalem at that last week, that they're all chanting and hollering and hosannas, and everything's going great. And when Jesus Christ came in close, he looked on Jerusalem, and the Bible says he began to weep. Not over the city, over the people. If thou hadst known, even thou at least in this thy day, the things which belongeth unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. It was breaking Jesus' heart to know that his people were going to be destroyed because they wouldn't open their eyes. Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. And Jesus is crying over you. When he's seen Lazarus laying in the tomb and everybody's around crying, the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. He's not, he's not cold-hearted. He knows you're a sinner. He knows you need him. He knows he's got the perfect remedy. And it breaks his heart that you won't take him. And after that, his brethren talk with him. And he wants to have fellowship with you. See, this isn't a Savior that says, okay, I'm going to save you. Now get out of here. Here it is. There's your free gift. Now hit the road. I got somebody else coming up behind you. That's not Jesus Christ. 
Jesus Christ says, I want to save you and I want to fellowship with you. Come talk with me. That's the beautiful thing about Jesus Christ. You're going through problems, whatever's going on in your life, you have somebody to commune with. You have somebody to fellowship with. You have somebody to throw all your, your sorrows, your pain on. That's what Jesus, that's the most wonderful thing about Jesus Christ. It's so wonderful that sometimes I forget, you know, he saved me. That's how I got all this. I'm so used to just leaning on my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and pouring my heart out to Jesus Christ. It's just second nature to me. He wants you to talk to him. He wants fellowship with him. So many Christians, they go down, they get saved, and they forget you've got to have some fellowship there. They forget to talk to him. It's a sin not to be praying to Jesus Christ. It's a sin. Now let's close this up. Verse 16, And the fame thereof was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brethren are come, and it was pleased Pharaoh well and his servants. Everybody started spreading the news. There was joy. Jesus Christ says, There's joy in heaven in the presence of the angels when one sinner repented. When you're a sinner and you repent and you turn from your sins, they're singing and shouting up in heaven. When you come and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, they're shouting up in heaven. You might not see it down here. You, there might be people in church that will yawn. Oh, I'm ready to get out what, what score the game is. Maybe the people in the church don't care. But heaven cares. Jesus Christ cares. And the angels are singing and shouting for joy. That's what Pharaoh did. Pharaoh's house says, oh, his brethren have come. They all started getting excited. And the fame went out. Verse 17, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Say unto thy brethren, this do ye, laid your beasts and go, get you the, unto the land of Canaan, and take your father and your households and come unto me. And I'll give you the good of the land of Egypt, and you shall eat the fat of the land. Now thou art commanded, this do ye, take you wagons out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives, and bring your father and come. Verse 20, look at verse 20. And also, regard not your stuff, for the good of all the land of Egypt is yours. Don't worry about what you got down here. You got a lot of stuff waiting for you up in heaven. <laughs> Don't regard your stuff. Regard not your stuff, for the good of all the land of Egypt is yours. Why are you worried about what you have down here? All of the heavenly kingdom is yours to have. You just had not seen it yet. That's the problem. The world makes sure you see through TV, through your cell phones, through billboards. They let you see everything you're not having down here. Oh, I gotta have that new car. I gotta have that house. I gotta have that new phone. I gotta have that. I gotta have that Burger King. I gotta have whatever they're trying to sell you on. They're just shoving it in your eyes, twenty-four hours a day, to make you forget that there's something better waiting for you up there. Don't regard your stuff. Don't worry about all that stuff you have down there. It's better over here. That's what Pharaoh's telling them. Praise the Lord for that. Verse twenty-one: The children of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them wagons according to the commandment of Pharaoh. Gave them provision for the way. To all of them he gave each man changes of raiment. But to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of raiment. Benjamin was very special to Joseph. They were full brothers. Verse 23, and he was a younger brother that didn't try to kill him. That had something to do with it. What do you think? <laughs> the only brother that didn't try to kill him? Yeah, that probably had something to do with it. Verse 23, and to his father. I want to say something about verse 22. Christian, we're all part of the family of God. But those that are doing something more for God, God's going to reward more. Those that are doing nothing for God, God's not going to reward them much. Up in heaven. Jesus taught that. So you say, I'm a Christian? Yeah, you're saved. You're going to, you have a place in heaven. But some of us are going to get more rewards. Some of us not. 
You can't live your life just like you want to live it down here. You need to live it for the Lord. There's a warning right there in verse 22. Verse 23, And to his father he sent after this manner, ten asses laden with the good things of Egypt, and ten she-asses laden with corn and bread, and meat for his father by the way. So he sent his brethren away, and they departed, and he said unto them, See that ye fall not out by the way. Don't get lost. Go down there, get him, and come back. I've got a question for you. Have you fallen down on the job of spreading the gospel? Their, their job was to go down, tell Jacob the good news. There's heaven waiting for you. Goshen, come on down. Joseph's waiting. You're going to be near Joseph. Come on down. Good news. Don't fall out the way. Have you fallen down on spreading the good news of Jesus Christ? That's the question only you can answer. Verse 25, And they went up out of Egypt and came into the land of Canaan, and Jacob their father, and told him, here's what they told Jacob, saying, Joseph is yet alive. And he is governor of all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. <laughs> you know what I think about every time I read that verse? It's Sanford and Son. <laughs> Y'all ever watch Sanford and Son? <laughs> oh, oh, Elizabeth, I'm coming to see you, Elizabeth. This is the big one, Elizabeth. I just think, you know, he grabs his heart and fakes a heart attack. I think of that. Jacob grabs, oh, Joseph's still alive. Verse 27, and they told him all the words of Joseph. Stop there. That's all you have to do. Tell him the words of Jesus Christ. Don't give him your words. Don't give him your pastor's words. Don't give him the church's words. Give him the words of Jesus Christ. That's all you have to do. Turn him to the book. Turn him to the Bible and say, that's what the Bible says. Let him deal, let, let the, let him deal with the Bible. And they told him all the words of Joseph. That's our job which he had saw and said unto them, and when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived, and Israel said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. Woohoo! He's alive, he's alive, he's alive. Someday, someday we're going to say, I thought my mother was dead. Oh, she's alive. She's alive, she's alive. I thought old brother Raymond was dead. Oh, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. I thought my dad died 20 years ago. Oh, but look at here. He's alive, he's alive, he's alive. We serve a risen Savior who's going to raise us from the dead. We serve a risen Savior. You can't stay dead around Jesus Christ. You're alive, you're alive, you're alive. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for Joseph in this story. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you're going through troubles, Joseph went through troubles. Maybe you've done some stuff like Joseph's brothers. Maybe you're, maybe you're a murderer. Maybe you want to kill. Maybe you, know, you can't get worse than that. But Jesus Christ, Joseph, will let you go free. And hug you and kiss you and say everything's going to be all right. You meant some evil, but God's going to mean it for good. That's our God who takes the evil and makes it good. Amen. He took evil, that's me, and he made it good. All because of him, not because of me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace and mercy in my life and our lives, Lord God. And Father, I pray that there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice that can't think of a time that they receive Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, Father. As we give this invitation, Father, I pray through your Holy Spirit, Lord God, they'll come on down the aisle and get saved, Lord God. It's just that simple. 
And we want to thank you for the free gift of salvation, Father. We want to thank you for a place called heaven. Father, we want to thank you for the resurrection. Father, we want to thank you, Father, for these people that came in here. Lord, I ask a special blessing on each one of them, Father, that came in this morning, Lord God. They just want to hear from you, Father. Let's pray your Holy Spirit will come in and speak to the heart the truth. Father, thank you again for your grace and mercy in our lives. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. 
You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.